episode triflix cast my name is tristan watkins today we got Derek grant in here uh this is the show where we are interviewing creative innovative entrepreneurs people trying to make a difference in the community trying to help people grow as well as develop themselves and I, for those reasons i think we hit almost all of those with Derek grant here because he is a harlem globetrotter former harlem globetrotter he was a trainer uh, still continuing to pursue that he's an author actor life coach and a man of god so all around pretty nice guy but thank you man for coming on today oh thank you thank you for having me yeah so some people may not know your story actually this is one of the first times we've met in person but i've heard a little bit about you would you mind sharing your story as far as what it is that you're currently doing and your involvement within your communities yeah it's funny somebody asked me the other day at barnes and nobles and uh random stranger he was like hey what do you do and i'm like i had to think about it for a second I'm like that's that's a good question i don't i don't know i like to think i do a little bit of everything mm-hmm. um uh, like you said i own a basketball training business called Derek grant basketball where i'm in the field of skill development from little kids all the way up to nba and wnba players um also an author uh, written two books now most recently um an athlete's devotional mm-hmm. um geared not just for athletes, but with the athlete's perspective in mind. Um, And I'm kind of venturing out, trying to do other projects. Um, I'm trying to partner with uh, Madison County and their uh, juvenile detention center of creating an initiative to give basically uh, young men and women um, a way to figure out life without going down the wrong path, right? Mm -hmm. Giving them, helping them give, helping give them perspective. So I like to, honestly, when people ask me, what do I do? I like to, help people and change perspectives. Mm-hmm. So if that means I'm writing a book or training somebody on the basketball court or speaking to a church, whatever it is, I just want to help people. Yeah. So. Yeah. So how did you um, originally get your start? Uh, I guess as far as your career, cause you're doing a lot of things right now. Sure. And I'm sure all of those branch off of one uh, point in your life. And then it started to sect off into all these extra categories. So what was uh, your first career curse, first path that you went through? Uh, so Coming out of college, I played basketball at college in New Jersey, and um, like any other kid who played college basketball, you know, I had dreams and aspirations of playing professional basketball one day. Mm-hmm. You know, what my expectations were and where I thought I was going to go in life didn't happen that when I went down another path. And um, at the time, it, it was um, disappointing, mm-hmm. uh, but yet humbling. And I'm a firm believer that God humbles you to change your heart so he can get you where he needs you to go. Mm-hmm. And my, my story is no different. You know, I was an all-American come out of college thing. I'm going to go either play in the NBA or play over, overseas professionally. And I ended up playing for a team that the Harlem Globetrotters played against. Um, so basically I lost every night. I did that for a year. And um, like I said, it was a humbling experience. And then a year later, they asked me, the Harlem Globetrotters asked me if I wanted to try out mm-hmm. for the team. And um, yeah, that's kind of took my career off and um, played eight years for the Harlem Globetrotters, got done playing in 2014. And then my only dreams were to, uh, or my, my only wishes were to be home more yeah, and be around the game of basketball. What that looked like, I didn't care if it was coaching. I didn't care what it was. And I ended up starting a training business that afforded me to do that. And um, it took off. I started with two brothers at a park. Yeah. And it grew to 350 kids a year and a half later. And um, wow. that kind of manifested itself into, wow, I get to teach these kids basketball but I actually get to help them with life as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's kind of transitioned into my passion is helping. Like yeah. If it's basketball, if it's writing books, if it's mentoring, whatever it looks like, I just want to help you. Yeah. 
So have you settled down in Indiana then, or do you still travel quite a bit? I don't. I'm home now. I got two young kids, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. So I try to be home. When I was with the Globetrotters, I was traveling eight months out of the year. Yeah. Uh, five of those months were straight. I'd leave Christmas morning and wouldn't come home till May. So wow. like, I've made it a priority to be home to raise my kids. Uh, there's times I have to travel, but it's nothing close to what it was. So I'm Indiana is my, is my home. Um, I'm originally from Princeton, New Jersey, but I grew up Gosh, I've lived in Virginia, Maryland, Louisiana, New York, Florida. I've moved all over the place, so it's mm. good to call Indiana home now. Yeah. Uh, it's a good place to be. Absolutely. As long as you don't mind the humidity. Yes, yes. So out of uh, all of the uh, time, the eight years that you had with the Harlem Globetrotters, was there one moment that stands out to you as uh, either defining or just a, a moment that kind of like sticks out in your mind as a uh, favorite, anything like that? Yeah, uh, ironically enough, the only reason why I started playing basketball was because my parents took me and my brother to see the Harlem Globetrotters when I was seven years old. Right. I was a soccer player before that. I was <laughs> soccer through and through. And we didn't even have a basketball hoop at home. I didn't have a basketball. But my parents took me to the game when I was seven years old in Rochester, New York. Mm -hmm. And I can remember. I can see it like it was yesterday just sitting there. I mean, we were up in the nosebleeds. We were <laughs> we were way up there. But I remember sitting on the edge of my seat watching this these guys, these athletes, and being amazed well, after the game, my parents bought me a little mini basketball. That was my first basketball. And that's, I remember I, I went home and the next morning for school, I was outside dribbling the basketball. We didn't even have a hoop yet. And my dad finally got a hoop. But that's kind of what catapulted me into this game of basketball. Mm -hmm. And then my last year with the Harlem Globetrotters, we played in that same arena mm -hmm. that I went to see the Globetrotters for the first time 25 years before. Yeah. So when practice was over, and I kind of, I kind of sensed I was at the end of my road with with my career, and I wanted to be home more. I, but I, I went up and sat in that general vicinity mm -hmm. and just soaked it all in. Like everything's come full circle. Like that's awesome. Yeah, that's probably the most uh, surreal moment I've had. Yeah, you know, playing for them. Were there any seven year olds up there? There were no seven year olds <laughs> up there then, but <laughs> I felt like a seven year old again, just looking down, saying, yeah. "Man, I can't believe this is." This all started 25 years ago, and here I am again. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I think one of the first Harlem Globetrotter games I went to, I was probably around somewhere between 6 and 10. When wow. I went with my dad, and I never really got into basketball. But for me, it was still really cool because this was something I'd never seen before. You don't, People don't play like that on television. Right. So it, it was really cool to uh, just be a part of that experience and uh, see people that train so hard and dedicate so much of their time. I never realized it was eight months out of the year, but a lot of their time for this. Yeah, no, absolutely. A lot of practice. I mean, as with anything, if you want to be good at something, you can put, you know, just enough time. If you want to be great at it, you got to put more time in. So we we always like to say we were the best at what we did, mm -hmm. and that involved a lot of practice. So, yeah. yeah. So what was it like getting the first four-point shot? That was – it's it was interesting because – not too many people know this. And I tell this um, not to discredit what I did, but to, to show like when God has a plan for you, there's mm -hmm. nothing that anyone can do to thwart it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we played two games that day. Um, we knew it was going to be an ESPN special. It was going to be, be on ESPN, but we didn't know which game they were going to put on ESPN. So we played a, uh, a game in, in the afternoon and then we played a game in the evening. Well, that first game, I didn't make a four point shot. And I had other teammates that had made four point shots. And I was like, man, like that's probably going to be the game. You know, I had my chance. And, but then the second game, nobody else made any four point shots. But then that was one that aired. I made like three of them like in a row back to back to back. Yeah. 
And we had no idea which one they were going to air. And I guess there was something wrong with the edit. They were going to oh. originally they were going to originally do the first game, mm-hmm. and then something happened, and it ended up being the second game. And my career like it took off after that. Yeah. Like it was like I got to go to the Naismith Hall of Fame and had an induction ceremony. Got to you know put the ball in the mat that reached the four point mat into the um, Naismith Hall of Fame. And like my career, I mean, before you know it, I'm on TV shows doing all this stuff. Yeah. But I look back on it now, I'm like. I really didn't make the first point shot ah. technically, but I did because that was the game that they aired. And this mm-hmm. is why I say, like, when God has favor in your life, there's mm-hmm. it won't make sense in the natural world. And I, I laugh at it now because it's like, yeah. man, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So is there some guy in the editing room backstage I, with like an extra fifty dollars in his pocket now? <laughs> I I should be thanking somebody, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thinking God's not a bad start. No, you know? not at all. You can never go wrong there. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you've uh, developed yourself quite a bit now to the point that um, in the present you're starting, you've built out a business, you're an entrepreneur. And on top of that, you're starting to author some books. You already put out two. Are yes. you, are you considering working on a third? I am. Um, I, it's, it's funny because I never set out to write either of them. Mm-hmm. It was just, it happened organically. It was just like, and what were the, the names of both? So of the first one I wrote was um, how to push your child without fouling, mm-hmm. uh, being in the business of developing children and basketball and life. And I, so I see, you know, I see what works with mm-hmm. some kids and what doesn't work from a parent's perspective and all of my best players, whether in the NBA or WNBA or, you know, national uh, accolades, their parents are, they, they let them yeah. figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I learned that you can't be good at anything if you don't love it. And I can't make my child love something. Yeah. So I wrote a book just to basically as a template to help parents like, Hey, try this. I'm not saying it works, but I've seen it work so many times. Yeah. Um, and then I went through a really tough time in my life here in 2018, 2019. And, um, I lost hope. Right. Yeah. And to gain hope back in my life, I would just start writing and just start writing in my phone and start writing. Well, each entry and ended up being a hundred of them mm-hmm. I put into the form of a book and that's where uh, results and athletes devotional came and mm-hmm. and it's all real life examples of hardships I've gone through in life and then how I gain hope from it and I wrote that because I had moved down to Florida and I wasn't training these kids anymore uh, in Indiana so I did this basically to show them like Hey, here's how I dealt with it. Cause I know you're going to go through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how that book came about. So will I write a third one? I will. Um, I don't know what it'll look like. It'd probably be more of a life story for me. Um, yeah. But hopefully, you know, Lord willing, I will. Yeah. Is uh, Do you have any subjects in mind for it or any topics, anything like that you, you're thinking about including? Um, I, I'm kind of the premise I'm thinking of is a book of thankfulness, right? Things that have happened in my life, hardships, setbacks, um, good things that have happened. And then showing how you have a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude, which will shape your perspective that you will never have any bad situations in life. And mm-hmm. I look back on my life. I had, I feel like I live the first 36, 30, yeah, 36 years of my life with one perspective. And then now, like, because I've been through stuff, mm-hmm. I realize that life is what it is. Like situations are what they are. It's just, how do you look at it? Is the glass half empty or half full? So mm-hmm. I guess you can say it's probably be like a self, growth self-development book uh, yeah. to help people yeah so how, like you you mentioned that your perspective changed and you're in the industry of changing perspectives you want to help people grow and develop um i don't know if you want to share that story of 
maybe was there a defining moment in your life that changed your perspective or maybe you want to discuss a little bit about what your perspective was pre and post that event i've always been the type this way my parents raised me my parents um my father both of them are from rural south carolina they grew up during the civil rights movement mm-hmm. um my dad was one of nine kids the third youngest his dad died when he was seven years old his mom never remarried and raised nine kids by herself wow um my mom was one of three the son of a sharecropper right so she, my point is they came from humbling beginnings. They taught me, you just work hard. You put your head down, you work hard. And this was ingrained in me that regardless of the situation, whatever it looks like, mm-hmm. you still have to work hard, right? And you figure out a way to make it work and you just work hard and over. And then you, you, you basically deal with the chips however they fall. Well, that was the way I was programmed. And I never took time to get caught up in what was me. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sad this happened. Oh, I, I actually, I got let go from the Globe Charles. They called me up one day. I'd have a job. And the next day I don't yeah. just like that. But I've, I've always been geared to like, okay, we figure it out and you make it work. I have a situation happen to me and my family here where we're, I mean, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. We moved down to Florida, get involved with some really bad people. And before you know it, we have nothing, mm-hmm. right? We have nothing. And I'm now here I am. I'm, I'm at the lowest I've ever been. Well, I've always been ingrained. You figure it out. You know, you, you work hard, you work your way back up to the top. And now I've lost hope. Mm-hmm. I have no hope. Like yep. me, I have no hope. And that actually was a changing. Like it was, it's a, it was a good buddy of mine who's a sports psychologist. He wrote a book called a hinge, the hinge moment. Mm-hmm. This was the hinge moment. This was my life like drastically changed because I had to change my perspective. Yeah. I had to basically look at it. Like it sounds simple and it sounds cliche ish, but is the glass half empty or is it half full? Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. And I've, made a conscious decision to always look at the glass as half full because I've made the decision to just be thankful mm-hmm. for whatever I have, no matter how much it is, nor no matter how little it is, I'm just going to be thankful. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. So I assume that's translated to all of your life now, not just, not just professional. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if it's my marriage, you know, being a parent, mm-hmm. you know, professionally, whatever it is, like, I try to genuinely be thankful for that opportunity, even if it's bad, because here's what's happening. What I, what I found when you're thankful for a situation mm-hmm. and you try to find something to be thankful for, you will see the blessings in the situation. And when there's a blessing, that's God's hand directly in that situation. Yeah. So it's hard to be negative or look at things you know, look at the glasses half empty when you can see God's hand in it. And it's, it's changed my life drastically. There are no, I was just on the phone with my mom the other day and I, telling her there, there there are no bad days yeah there's no such thing there's 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 no bad days there's situations that are undesirable yeah but even in that situation you can be thankful i look at the whole kobe bryant situation like mm-hmm. i loved kobe like i didn't even realize how much i appreciate appreciate i had no idea but you know as sad as it was i still found myself trying to find something to be thankful for and i mm-hmm. i told my wife i said i was just i was thankful that I was able to learn from him and like the memories, his legacy, I'll always be able to bring with me yeah. always. Like you can't take that away from me. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. Now you were a globetrotter. So did you ever get to interact with the NBA at all? Or was it always, is it completely separated? We, we did because we would always often play in NBA arenas. Okay. Um, so like we would sometimes play in an arena before, like we play at two o'clock Well, mm-hmm. they added the game that night at seven o'clock. I didn't have a run in with Kobe. Um, I had never met him before, but yeah. like, but I mean, there was still a big influence. There. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his, his approach to life, um, 
obviously the game of basketball, but his his approach to life is something that um, I didn't say I picked up because my mom has that mentality, but it's definitely something that I studied. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize in college we were—he was only four years older than me. So, like, <laughs> really? Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe. I didn't like that. I thought Kobe was way older than me, but <laughs> I studied his his technique, his footwork, everything, and then I found myself studying his mentality and like how he approaches things. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is, I like it was applicable to everything. It wasn't just basketball. It was the life. It was the being an adult. I mean, to the being a, a husband or a parent. Like, mm-hmm. strive to be the greatest version of yourself. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think it might be good to practice that uh, that thankful mentality. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I could probably start right here by saying we're very thankful for our sponsor today, uh, Hill Zion Records. It's a record label based out of uh, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. They produce Christian music, rap, R&B, a little bit of uh, everything within that genre. So if you guys are listening looking or trying to find some music a little more upbeat something you can still listen with the family highly recommend them we'll have links to them in the description below as well as in the videos uh, that would be uh, hills ion records highly recommend x truth uh, his real name being taurus hearns we work together quite a bit great guy uh, and talking about that mentality um, he actually is probably one of the most consistently thankful and dedicated people i've interacted with um, no matter the situation because sometimes we work together on projects and other people will interact and sometimes they uh they they don't always have good news right mm. but he still always finds a way to uh to show his appreciation and thankful in those situations and uh is never uh, afraid to put down his pride and you wow. know to really really dig deep and try to find something good in that situation so for those reasons we're happy to work with them and we're very proud to have them as one of our sponsors that's awesome yeah what type of music do you listen to um really big into uh christian christian music yeah. i you know it's funny I, you, know, you have workouts right and i have yeah you know, nba <laughs> players and like you know they you know they want to listen to hip-hop they want to listen to yeah you know the popular music out right now and i remember i started playing like christian music they were like what mm-hmm. but then they find themselves enjoying it yeah I'm like i'm actually doing you a favor one i'm letting you i'm, I'm broadening your horizons that's one two I'm letting the Lord be in this gym right now to bless your game. Like they don't even really, they started laughing. I'm like, there's another side of the music world that can fill your cup that you probably aren't aware of. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And plus, I mean, there, there's options if you want something upbeat. Right. I mean, even with Hill Zion records, there's other, like um, every time I go to baseball games, like especially Indians games, they always have at least one or two are uh, people going up to bat and they always play their theme songs. And a lot of them will be using um, KB or mm. Andy Minio, which are both Christian rappers. Uh, they always have, have really, really good hitting songs. And I, for me, it's really cool going to sporting events and hearing people still play Christian music. Um, I think we've even heard some like Casting Crowns, which, you know, you wouldn't think of them as an upbeat. You right. Know, something to walk out to. But, you know, whatever the artists or whatever the performer wants to play, I guess. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I think we... We need more of that. You know, yeah. Athletes <laughs> athletes have an unbelievable platform. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's why I like somebody like Tim Tebow. Like, I appreciate him so much. Yeah. You know, he's really, you can say he's been persecuted maybe for it, right? <laughs> maybe he's sac- had to sacrifice his playing career, but he's. Yeah. He was compensated pretty well for it, though. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he's uh, talking about devotionals such as your own. He has a pretty good one as well that uh, me and a couple of friends have gone through. It's, it's pretty spot on. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, 
Well, we talked a little bit about your inspiration uh, about being seven, seeing the Harlem Globetrotters. Now, at a young age, you knew that you wanted to be involved in basketball. Uh, did you know that you wanted to be involved in helping people grow, or was that something that you adapted later on in the career? I think, if I'm if I'm being truthful, no, I never, <laughs> I never set out to say like I want to help people. Like yeah. that wasn't you know when you're young, you're selfish and uh, you only think about yourself and. Um, I'm looking for people to help me. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you get a little older, you have kids, um, you gain perspective a little more and you realize that while it's great, you know, when people help you, it's more fulfilling when you help somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I, I found that that's honestly, that's what fills my cup. Mm -hmm. That's what fills my cup. Like I enjoy, that's why I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I do. If it's basketball, if it's, the devotional, it doesn't matter how it is. Like I genuinely enjoy helping people and it may look different in different situations. But the reason why is because I've, I've, because I hit rock bottom mm -hmm. and people helped me. It gave, it gave me a greater appreciation for being when someone's there for you, when you feel like you've lost hope and then someone's here like to pick you up. Yeah. And I just basically want to pay it forward. Like that's, that's really what it comes to. I just wanted. I want to replicate that feeling that I felt when I felt like, like, what am I going to do? And somebody said, Hey, I'll, I'll pick you up. I'll help you. Mm -hmm. Now, does that have anything to do with uh, your phrase? Come to, uh, was it uh, committed to excellence? Be committed to excellence. Yeah. I, I, I developed that when I started my um, skill development company because I, I've everything I do in life. I try to, I was just having this conversation with my son this morning, like everything you do, like try to be great at it. Yeah. Right. It's that simple. Like, yeah. try to be great at everything you do. Like, yeah. it sounds, here's what it is. It's easy to do, but it's easier not to do. And when you commit to something, that means you'll, like, come hell or high water, you'll do it. Yeah. Right? You've committed to it, whether it's a marriage or being a great parent or, like, whatever it is, you have committed to it. So I'm like, okay, be as great as you can, the best version of you, and commit to it. So. Yeah be committed to excellence and that's kind of how I came up with it yeah I have a couple of close friends and we're always trying to help mentor each other and as well as family members and uh, I was explaining to them that they just always seem distracted on their phones and they're mm -hmm. asking me for help and they're like how do I how do I get my life together and I mean there's there's tons of good advice that anybody could provide but one of the things that I noticed specifically in their situation is because they're always on their phone they're always distracted mm. and if you're distracted if you're trying to do more than one thing at a time that means you're not giving 100% to both of those things mm. so I was explaining that you need to you know one <laughs> less time on the phone right but um, I mean they can be used for productivity but in this specific case it was more of a distraction than a tool to that was benefiting them so I, I explained whatever it is you're doing make sure like you said make do it with excellence but i was i was using the phrase of like do your best mm. and even if it doesn't come out perfectly or it doesn't turn out the way you expected it to you can still look at that moment and say you did your best that's it that's right? it that's yeah. that's what it comes down to i coach girls basketball um bishop start high school in mm -hmm. indianapolis and we've been preaching all year as a staff we've been preaching the team like just give your all. Yeah. That's it. Just give your all. Well, we end up losing the championship game of sectionals in four overtimes to a team that we had on paper. We had no business going four overtimes with them. Like we should have, they should have beat us by 20. Yeah. But these girls gave their all, like mm -hmm. they gave everything they had. And while we lost, 
Like I slept better that night than any other night because I knew like we did it. Yeah. Like it took all year, but we did what we set out to do. We gave our all. And I think that's what life is about. Yeah. Right. My best version of me may look different than yours. So I don't look at my version and say, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not as good as him. No, like I have reached my the pinnacle of me. Mm -hmm. And now I can go to bed and say, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what it's about. Yeah. And then you have people on the other side of the spectrum, the like, I don't know, I don't know if you'd call them perfectionists, but the people that do put in that 110% every time. Sure. And if they make the mistake, they dwell on it. So it's finding that healthy balance between it's okay not to be perfect and move on to that next, move on to the next thing and do the next thing to your best of your abilities and, you know, learn from that last experience. Yeah, but exactly uh, for me, it was for a long time. That's what my dilemma was. Like mm -hmm. if I can't do it a hundred percent, 110%, then I'm not going to do it yet. And, and in some cases that was a good thing, but I was applying it to everything. Mm. And uh, that was the reason the podcast started like two years later than I wanted. It to. Well, <laughs> well maybe, maybe it took, you know, two years of being developed in all the other areas for yeah. it. I, I'm a firm believer that everything happens at the right time. Right? I, yeah. Like we, I was just having a talk with somebody yesterday and trying to explain to them, like God has ordered your steps, right? Every mm -hmm. step is ordered. So look at Abraham. Abraham was supposed to, he told Abraham, you're going to have a child. Well, Abraham was 75 years old. He didn't have a baby until he was a hundred. Yeah. Right. So, but like Abraham probably like, Hey, I'm 75. When's this going to happen? Well, yeah it happened when it was supposed to happen. Yeah. And that I think translates into patience, right? Yeah. Now, now you have kids too, don't you? I do. Yeah. I have two kids. I have a seven-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you got any good stories maybe about uh, Cinnabons, anything like that? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's funny. I, 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 my seven-year-old is the complete opposite, right? My seven-year-old is a rule follower. He, um, he's just a sweet kid, right? Yeah huge he's the size he's seven years old but he's the size of like 11 year old like he's a big kid and then my daughter <laughs> she's five years old she is the rule breaker this is my way this is the way it's going to be and she's five years old probably about the size of a three-year-old mm -hmm. so they're complete polar opposites well we're at breakfast one morning i'm making them breakfast before they have to get ready for school and i make them cinnamon rolls well she's five years old she's like can you cut this up because she only eats the top of where the icing is she won't eat the whole thing i'm like all okay. right i cut up so you eat the whole thing so I've cut up her cinnamon roll, and then my son's looking at me like, well, you're not going to cut mine too? And I look at him like, you're seven years old. Like, you need to start learning how to do this for yourself because I was always raised, maybe I'm yeah. crazy, but I was raised like my mom. I was making my own lunch when I was in fourth grade. I was washing all my clothes. Like, my mom's, she used to tell me this all the time. She goes, one day I'm not going to be here. And mm -hmm. I remember I'd be devastated, like, oh, you're not going to be here. But she would tell me that to say, basically, like, I need to teach you how to fish instead of giving you a fish. Mm -hmm. So I have that mindset with my children. So with my son, he's seven years old and he's like, you're not going to cut my cinnamon roll. I said, no, you can cut it yourself. So I go and get him a butter knife because I'm a good parent. I don't want to give him a steak knife to cut cinnamon rolls, <laughs> but I give him a butter knife and he's sitting here trying to cut his cinnamon roll. And then I realize I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, well, he's going to struggle with a butter knife trying to cut this, but he starts to get frustrated because he can't cut it. And this is his first time ever trying to cut something up. And he's like, like starts crying. And I'm sitting here looking at him like, figure it out. You got to figure it out. Yeah. You're going to have to figure it out. Now, he doesn't know that I'm not going to let him not eat. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get to a point. But he starts getting frustrated. And he says, I don't want to eat then. And he throws his, his knife down and everything. And I'm like, this is what happens in life sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. This is what happens. We. 
we try to do something and it's not going the way we plan. So we give up. Mm-hmm. And I try to teach my kids like, okay, you started cutting it and then you never made it to the end result of cutting it. But in between, that's where the treasure is, that learning experience, right? Yeah. So your podcast didn't start for two years, but that time in between when you thought about it and when you finally got there, mm-hmm. that was where your treasure was, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, so I, I was trying yep. to teach my kid. Like, so finally, he figured it out and he cut it. Yep. And he was like, you could see on his face, he poked his chest out and he was sitting up like, I did it. And I'm looking at him like, yeah, like, yeah. you just taught yourself how to fish yeah. instead of me just doing it for you. And so that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's like, that's how I try to raise my children. Cause that's, I mean, I, I felt like that's helped me in my life because yeah. my parents raised me that way. And, um, well, sometimes it's trying, mm-hmm. right. As being a parent is sometimes, but, um, I'm a firm believer, teach them how to fish. Don't yeah. just give them a fish. Yeah. Is that in, uh, do you include that in any of your books or anything along those lines? Or is that something that you've maybe you share more personally? Um, I do talk about that in my book. Um, I'm a firm believer. Like I can teach you something like basketball wise. Mm -hmm. I can show you something, but I want you to figure it out. Yeah. Right. I want you to figure it out. So that way it's organic and and it's, it's coming from your perspective. Cause it's like, I can point it out, but you won't until it settles here in your heart, then it won't, Mm-hmm. It won't resonate. Yeah, we have a, a lot of people on here that have either dropped out of college or they ended up pursuing a career that had very little to do with their degree. Hmm. And I always ask them, uh, we'll ask you this similar question in a moment, but uh, what was it that helped you learn the most? And very rarely do they ever say formal education. Now, I mean, they say it was a good um, uh, prerequisite for what got them in there or it gave them some uh, fundamental knowledge that helped them excel. But almost every time when it comes to learning and absorbing information in that treasure period, that that journey moment, uh, it's almost always doing, you know, I went out and I tried it. And now they're the people that we're interviewing, I would consider proficient mm. or at least or maybe even excellent, you know, expert levels. Uh, but almost all of them come in and they're like, yeah, we we I tried it at one point in time and I liked it or maybe I didn't like it, but I stuck with it. And eventually I got to the point where I am now where right. people come to me and they ask me uh, for either leadership, for for discipleship, for um, different uh, forms of advice. Whatever it is that they're good at, people come to them because they consider that person knowledgeable in that subject. Mm. Yeah. So I'm I am curious about your experience. What has been the biggest uh, providing of learning for you or the thing that's helped you the most grow? I think going through the fire. Yeah, yeah, the right. hinge, the hinge moment. Right? Yeah, the hinge moment. I think going through the fire and I, I I use the analogy like I can tell you the stove's hot, mm-hmm. but you won't really know how hot it is until you touch it. Yeah, right. And then when you touch it, you'll never touch it again. Yeah. And you feel that burning. You'll never touch it. And, and I think back in my life, like these learning moments where maybe society may view them as losses or bad breaks, like. That's where I learned the most. Yeah. College for me, I went to college and I was general business, right? I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just general business. And what I found from college is I don't remember anything from actual class. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember like. Yeah. But what I do, what I did learn was um, time management, right? Mm -hmm. This is the first time in life where you're forced to like 
you know, mom's not saying, hey, did you do your homework? Like, you got to figure it out yourself. Now, I wasn't the best at it. I mean, there was many nights where I didn't go to bed till four in the morning because I was writing a paper at the last minute. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> but what I what I found was college helps you mature. Mm-hmm. I've had a conversation with somebody and they're like, well, I don't feel like you need college anymore. I'm like, well, granted, you can educate yourself yep. without going to college, but college does things for you that like you can't figure out yeah. maybe like time management and um socialization yeah networking is massive yes like that's like really the first time where you're like you're on your own to try and figure out like how do i make friends and how do i like you're finding who you are really Mm -hmm. and i think that's what college i wish there was another way because college i mean that's a whole nother topic to get into but um there's a different an alternative program yes yes where because unless you're in the specified field like you know you want to be a lawyer you want to be a doctor or something yeah. Like your most experiences you're going to gain from college actually have nothing to do with the classroom. In yeah. my opinion, it's at least with me, I gained experiences through, like I said, learning how to figure out how to manage my time. And yeah, yeah. I feel much better. Like we're, we're, I'm getting married in like two months and we have, and we're going to have, thanks, man. we're going to have a baker though. And we're, they're going to make a cake. If a baker told me they learned from YouTube, that's awesome. Cause right. I've seen their work and it's good. Now, if somebody <laughs> says they learned heart surgery from YouTube, I'm a, <laughs> Like you said, there are certain fields that you want right. those prerequisites for. And then there's alternative um, other other career paths definitely do have more alternatives um, ways of getting there. Right. So that is uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. I actually have I've talked to a lot of people about college and the value of it. And most of the people I interview are creative backgrounds. So it's not as needed. Sure. Um, like I said, we've had some people drop out. But overall, they wouldn't say it was a waste of time. No, they, it's, they got something out. Right, you can, and I'm. You can do that with anything. You can mm-hmm. get them. I mean, it's up to you. Pool. Yeah, exactly. It's up to you to pull the, you know, what experiences you're gaining from it. But like, I look at my life now, what I do. I don't, I don't use my college degree really. Like the stuff that I learned in the classroom. But here's what I will say: it has done. Mm-hmm. Whether it's undergraduate or me having my master's, it has given me confidence. Mm-hmm. It has given me confidence. I can go into a room and. While I don't think about it subconsciously, though, because I remember when I didn't have a degree yeah. and I didn't have my master's, like, oh, I don't know if I want to go sit down and have a meeting with this guy who's a C. Like, you just, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's it's giving me, it's helped me um, to feel equipped enough to step into a room where maybe I wouldn't have. Um, yeah. But I found that it, there's a generation coming up now, and I applaud them, that they're like, they're figuring out a way to win without going down this cookie cutter road that we've been seeing for so long. Yeah. And I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. We, we had a guy on here that uh, makes his living playing video games. That's it's like, that did not exist 10 years ago. That is awesome. But, <laughs> but he found a way and yeah. he, he does it professionally as a uh, 2k, um, uh, 2k player. And he was, he, he worked hard. He went to college. Uh, he was going to play NBA. He had, uh, or, well, he was, supposed to play college ball he had a full ride and he was hoping to get into the nba mm. uh had uh, uh body problems i believe it was like a knee surgery or something like that or shoulders something where he was taken out and wasn't able to play and then he found the outlet of 2k he didn't make it his first year he tried out again and then he ended up making it into the league where he was able to play professionally uh wow he, they uh they keep the top three cut the bottom three he was like fourth place so he got cut and then tries out again the following year and makes it again. So wow. he just constantly grinding, constantly working and trying to keep that positive mentality. Like you said, you got to have hope. And he was definitely somebody that I've met that um, 
exemplified that really well. That's really cool. That's awesome. I would love to, I would love to play video games for a living. Yeah. That would be, that would be cool. Yeah. They, they say it is pretty strenuous. I was watching an interview the other day and, um, uh, they say, do you feel like your the, uh, the amount of, um, uh, work you put in is equivalent to, uh, a physical sport? All of them said no. And I, I mean, I, to a degree, I mean, you, you're not going to the gym, you're not lifting weights, you're not doing 5 a.m. practices, right. but they're still working for over, you know, somewhere between 8 and 12 hours a day, very uh -huh. little breaks. They're taking energy drinks all day because they have to be alert the entire time. You don't get on and off moments. It's like you have to be um, aware. So even though it may not be physically strenuous, there is a great amount of mental energy that is exerted on a, you know, 9 to 5 or usually it goes beyond that, but it is a, a eight to like 12 hour day of, wow. you just have to be constantly aware. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah. It's anything that engages your mind and forces you to be on all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. you're going you to be exhausted. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we got about, uh, probably about 10 more minutes here and then we'll wrap this up. Um, but we got a couple of, a uh, couple of good questions. I think we had, and, I'm curious, you have a little bit of experience, um, and we talked about whenever you, you got your four-point shot, whether or not that was first, we'll, we'll leave that up to people listening. Hmm. Um, but you said it, it, it kind of jumped your jump-started your career, and it allowed you to get a lot of opportunities that prior hadn't existed, such as TV roles, um, getting uh, some like uh, Good Morning America spots. Would you like to talk about any of those? Yeah, it was, I was joking, laugh with people all the time. It was cool. Um, like one time, I remember my mom called me, and I'm sitting in the in the makeup room, uh, to the Today Show. Yeah, and it just so happened that Kim Kardashian was uh, a guest host with Hoda. Kathleen wasn't there. Maybe Kathleen was there. Yeah, but Kim was there. Oh and, my god. Yeah, and I was joking. You know, I was. I'm like, yeah, I got to you know hang out with Kim Kardashian. Everybody's like, oh wow. I'm like, yeah, that was whatever. But um, I got to do a lot of cool stuff. Uh -huh. Um, like I was on a show, Kicking It with Disney. Uh, yeah. the Disney Channel, Disney XD. I got to be on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Like, mm -hmm. I remember growing up watching Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And now here I am on the show. So um, I've been fortunate. I've been blessed. Like, I was just a little kid who yeah. loved to play basketball growing up. I never in a million years would have imagined I'd be able to have the opportunities that I've had. I've actually, for three years, when I got done with the Globetrotters, I would um, work with EA Sports. Yeah. And I was a motion capture um, actor. So basically I would do all the facial expressions for LeBron, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, all these guys in the NBA. Wow. And then I would do their, um, signature moves, mm -hmm. um, in the game. And, you know, I got to do that for three years. So that was really cool. Was that in parallel with Harlem Globetrotters or was it was, it was after oh, okay. well, actually. So if you go on YouTube, um, I did impersonations of LeBron, Shaq, Kobe, um, and they were on ESPN. And when we had that game on ESPN, they showed it kind of like him at halftime and it got like a million views on YouTube, like in the first like week yeah. it was, it blew up. But then because of that, these producers for NBA live that comes out with EA sports, they saw this and they were like, man, we need somebody who can like mimic LeBron's jump shot. We need somebody who can mimic Kobe Bryant in the post. And somehow they got a hold of me. And like I said, I did it for three years. I'd go out to Vancouver to their uh, motion capture studio yeah. for, a week at a time, two weeks at a time, and mm -hmm. do that two or three times a year to shoot the video game. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, our background, of course, being video, and uh, what got me started because you you were talking about like at the age of seven, you saw Harlem Globetrotters, and that was what 
you're like, all right, this is what I want to do. I want to play basketball. Sure. Uh, when I was probably about 10, 12, I saw some YouTube videos and this was when YouTube first was launching and I saw VFX videos and at the time, you know, they weren't as good right. uh, looking back on them, you know, but overall what it did do is it inspired me to go into video mm. and to make these short little films and do VFX work. So whenever you, you know, it's really cool getting to talk to people that have, uh, even though you weren't editing them, you were still a part of that process of doing VFX work and motion capture. And like, to me, that is one of the coolest things that's available right now in, in our industry. It's really, I mean, technology, I remember NBA live Oh three, like I remember playing that and then like who would ever thought, 15 years later now here I am actually mm -hmm. like helping make the video game. Yeah. Um, yeah that's where I, I like in life, like this second third of my life, Lord willing, um, like I've come to with the perspective, like you never know, yeah. like you never know, like you can be, you can be anything you want. Cause you never know what road God may take you down. And that's, that's kind of like where I'm at now. Like I've always enjoyed acting. Yeah. Um, I enjoy film, yeah. right? I enjoy storytelling. I enjoy helping people. So like end game, what I'm thinking is I would love to put everything together, right? Put it all together and make like a movie. Right? Yeah. A movie that will provide hope and inspire and, you know, tell a story. And because um, at the end of the day, I think that's what it's about. It's just helping people, helping provide perspective for people to help them to carry on in their journey in life. Mm -hmm. So that'd That's be awesome, cool. Man. Yeah. Uh, you, you're talking about taking a lot of roads and I assume you've been on quite a few yourself because you've been to what, 70 countries now, 70 different countries. Yeah. Out of, out of all of those, is there one that uh, stood out as the most unique or uh, just something that well, you wouldn't mind going back to again? I, I have, I have a category of most unique. I have a category of, uh, I would love to take my family there and I have a category. I have no desire ever to go there again. <laughs> uh, most unique would definitely be Dubai. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was I actually went there while they were uh, making the islands that were in the form of the shape of a palm tree. Yeah. So I was there while they were doing it. So I remember we went to the, like the 20th story of a hotel and they were, you could see out into the sea yeah. and these barges were coming and dumping sand to form an island, which was crazy to think that like they're making an island. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably Australia or New Zealand is some place I would love to take my family one day. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful there. The people are unbelievable. The culture. Mm -hmm. um, and then countries I probably have no desire ever to go back. I went to uh, <laughs> I went to Libya. Um, oh. That was I just I mean I probably won't go back ever again. You know, yeah, it was food, environment, culture. Food. I mean, as we were at the airport and our promoter gave us he came around with a bag and was pa passing out um look like burgers and foil right yeah and we open it up we take a bite i'm like man what is this this isn't a burger he's like oh those those are camel burgers oh i'm like yo like you gotta tell me like <laughs> i never planned on eating a camel and I'm like everybody like we're like oh we didn't eat it anymore really but yeah and I, yeah that was that was an interesting two uh, days i spent in Libya. It's, it's hard to get i've heard uh i'm really big into cooking and mm -hmm. uh, i really really enjoy watching like gordon ramsay and he does some of these like uncharted things yeah. and one of them i it may have been libya i i know it was it was around that region but there was um uh they had a camel farmer and he's like the only one there i don't know if it was taboo or they're just hard to raise or what the reason was but there was only one guy in this entire city and 
they end up showing how to produce and make camel meat and all this. Oh, wow. And I would love to try it, but it sounds like maybe, maybe yeah, it that was, one wasn't well, as good. Let me just put it like this. Imagine you're, um, you go to eat something and you think it's going to be one way and then it's not oh. even close. Like yeah. the texture, the consistency of it. I was, yeah, it was, I couldn't get my mind. There was a mental hurdle. I couldn't get over with that one. It's like when you drink Sprite and you thought it was just sparkling water or something. <laughs> You're like, yeah, this, this wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So we are, uh, we're about out of time here. So we're going to go through some rapid fire questions real quick. Okay. As far as learning goes, 30 seconds or less, what has helped you the most? Uh, for your own benefit of learning uh reading books and then life experiences failures okay failures yeah, you failures. gotta learn from gotta grow yeah, exactly misunderstandings what's a question you either get the most often or a question that you just kind of want to address um i think people think i like to stay to myself right yeah it's weird because i'm outgoing but i like to say to myself like mm -hmm. i would rather a fun night to me would be staying at home reading a book yeah. and i think sometimes people think like they see, oh, you play for the Globe Trials. You're like fun, like they go out and have no. Like I'd rather just stay home and literally read. Mm -hmm. So, advice for people: um, don't get caught up in like the world, yeah. right? Be who you are. Like, yeah. don't compare yourself to like the worldly standard. Yeah. Be the best version of you. I like that. I feel like a lot of times people uh, try to compare themselves, and especially with social media. So, it, I think that is a message that a lot of people are not hearing right now and definitely is a good one to have comparison is the thief of all joy yeah <laughs> yeah it was that uh, lecrae always says um if you live for other people's acceptance you'll die by their rejection wow so That's powerful he's yeah. right yeah yeah all right so what um if, if people i'm sure are going to love you and they're going to want to know where they can find you learn about you where where do you want to plug any social media tell people what you're up to uh yeah so you can find me on instagram it's Derek grant results d-e-r-i-c-k mm -hmm. uh grant results um i'm on twitter dg basketball two and a website dg sorry Derek grant speaks.com it's Derek d-e-r-i-c-k Derek grant speaks.com and then Derek grant basketball yeah. and you'll be able to find all you want to know about me on there yeah thanks man we really appreciate having you on oh thank you for having me yeah i hope you guys enjoyed having uh derek on here as well if you guys did definitely check out the links we'll have those in the description of the video as well as if um you're watching on spotify google play itunes anything like that check out the videos on youtube highly recommend it love getting to see the faces with the people we're interviewing i think it's pretty helpful but also that's where all the links are you guys can come check him out uh, at all of his websites all of his links if you know of anybody that you think has a cool story maybe i don't know if it'll ever be as cool as this one today i mean <laughs> playing for the globe charters is a big deal right but if you know anybody with a cool story somebody that's trying to make a difference in their community working for nonprofits, entrepreneurs uh, people trying to do startup work anything like that anything creative we would love to have them on please send them our way triflix.com that's t-r-i-f-l-i-x.com and as well as maybe you guys enjoy this content and you want to help support it it does cost money to produce these uh, if that's something that you're interested in we would be very grateful to either have a one-time donation or bring you guys on as a sponsor uh, if you do something like that and you have a story to share of course we'd be happy to have you on as well but all all in all we appreciate having people like Derek on today um, be sure to check out his book results. I'm sure you have this listed on Amazon, right? Yes. It's on Amazon, barnesandnobles.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can go to DerekGrantResults.com and buy the book if you want buy it to. Buy directly. Support, yeah. support local artists. That's right. Thank you. Have a good one. <laughs>